Hello and welcome to Pop Cult Podcast, a show about movies, television, comics, etc. Now here is your host, Seth Harris. Well, we are back. We took kind of a little break there for October. We are still in the Netherlands and moving along with that process, but we just had a lot of things going on. I think we were mentally tired and physically tired. We just didn't want to talk to you guys. Yeah, no. Uh, There was a lot of new stuff to process. And you guys weren't talking back. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, if you want more of us, talk back. That might be, we may have to cancel the podcast. Um, But... So we're hopefully going to be doing this more regularly. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it every week. Because right now we're just kind of looking at what we're interested in talking about. There might be some weeks where there just isn't a movie we want to talk just about. Just going with the vibes. Yeah. Uh, so this episode, we have two big movies. There have been like a massive surge of good movies and decent movies recently. or movies Mostly just decent. Movies <laughs> worth talking about. Uh, and so in this episode, we're going to start out with a review of A24's Lamb. And follow that up with a look at Michael Showalter's The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Well, we watched the newest horror film, I guess is what you'd call it, fantasy film from A24 that was getting a little bit of hype. I don't think it got overhyped. Uh, It was called Lamb. It's an Icelandic film directed and written by uh, Valdemar Johansson. Uh, The most notable actor in the film is Numi Rapace, who plays the lead role of Maria. And she's joined by Hilmer Snar Gunnason, which I'm sure I've got that name wrong, who plays her husband Ingvar. And then Bjorn Heiner Haraldsson, who plays Peter, uh, Ingvar's brother and Maria's brother-in-law. Uh, the premise of the film is that Maria and Ingvar are sheep farmers living in an incredibly rural area of Iceland, mm-hmm. and one of their sheep gives birth in the spring, and there is something incredibly different about that lamb and disturbing, and it has a very uh, profound effect on Maria and her husband. And when her brother-in-law, Peter, shows up, uh, he is immediately disturbed by what he sees. Yeah. So, first of all, just what were your... Going into the movie, I know I... My expectations, I wasn't trying to set them too high, but I was excited to see it. It seemed from the marketing that it was going to be an interesting film. I lowered my expectations after I saw a TikTok of someone saying they did not like the film. Well, I know... um, and that's I, not something that I yeah. normally would do, mm-hmm. but I think it also had to do with the fact that um, the trailers were pretty ambiguous, which is fine. I'm fine with ambiguous. They were really, it was a really good trailer. Yeah. But I have to be honest, um, the actress... Uh, Numi Rapace? Rapace. I don't think she's good. I've never seen her in a film that I've actually liked. Yeah, and I've seen her in quite a number of films at this point. And I'm starting to think now that if I see her cast as a lead in a movie, I'm not going to like it. And I don't know what it is, but she just... I d- she doesn't really display that much of emotions. For me, I'm like, in a movie like this, it's Icelandic, so there's like a different cultural sensibility. Which is fine. I wouldn't... And it's... The environment is very cold and neutral. 
And so... Much like the scenery. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, it was... I think a lot of people are comparing it, from what I've seen online, to It Comes at Night. Yeah. Which I still think was a great movie, but the expectations of the audience versus what they got has been very different. Same thing with Lamb. A lot of people thought they were going to get, like, a midsummer-type horror movie, and it's not a horror movie. It's a dark fantasy. Yeah, we really don't get this underlining tension that you would expect. So... Because Maria and uh, Ingvar just kind of accept the weirdness... Yeah. Without question. And it's only Peter that really shows us, like, that this is not normal. Yeah, and I think it also has to do with the fact that it feels as if, like, it was leaving us to pick up something that we didn't know. So, um, spoilers for the film. They take away uh, a baby lamb from the mom. And the mm-hmm. mom is, like, outside the mother, crying. The mother yeah. sheep. The mother sheep is outside crying for her child. And, um... They're watching a film, and she's like, what did I miss? And she's, and he says, oh, something about fairy tales. And, and that's so like me, a, yeah. I'm like, that was a hint of what was going on. We don't get like, and I'm not saying give me an exposition, but there's never a moment of being like, when the brother came, it's like, this reminds me of some weird story or some weird thing that we saw. Well, there's, there's like a lot of unspoken back history that... Even paying very close attention to the movie, I still felt like I was having to work too hard to get to. You don't... There's a lot of stuff because, that they don't tell you, but you're supposed to pick up on. Well, because, like, they never mention, like, a miscarriage or infertility directly, do they? No, but... But I feel like it's implied. It is implied because they already had a baby, um... They like, did have a crib, yeah. They yeah. had a crib, and then, uh, Maria goes to a small grave, and... It has the name that they have named this lamb child after Ada, and um, we're supposed to be implied that it was a still death. The only reason I know it was a still death was because stillborn. Yeah. Stillborn was because I had to look up the Wikipedia, <coughs> and um, it explains it explicitly. It explains that. The but the whole film, thing. Uh, like even from the trailers, I got the sense this was going to be a movie about like female fertility and reproduction in some way. And then when Peter shows up, his introduction is a very odd scene that I'm still not 100% on what was going on there because we learned that he was like a member of a band. And it looks like the band member was in the music video who was dropping him off. Yeah, because he's he's driven out to the middle of nowhere in the trunk of a car and dumped there by two women and a man. Mm -hmm. And then later we see a music video from his early days, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it looks like the people that dumped him there. Yes. And there's never... And there's an implication that he's done this before. He's been... He's come back home after he's made some trouble. Yeah. Will ask for money or gets money and leaves. And this... He makes sexual advances towards Maria. There's definitely... And it's... She kind of, like, returns it at a certain point? No, she... Well, it's... Well, there's, like... The sense I got was that there might have been a point in the past where she would have gone with him. Because he doesn't... No, I didn't pick up on I that. I definitely picked up on that. It I felt think... more like she was just telling him, like, stop doing this. Like, that she had known him for a while. And... But I feel like when they were younger... But once again, see, that's where there's this yeah. sense of there's something that happened in the past that is never... And I'm okay with movies being ambiguous. I prefer movies that are ambiguous. 
but I do like there to be enough meat on the bones so that I can start to make some assumptions or inferences yeah. about what happened. Um, I thought there's a reveal moment of the lamb that they have adopted, Ada. Yes. Uh, and it needs CG. Like, basically, like, halfway through the movie, we fully see what's going on yeah. with Ada. And I didn't think the CG held up in every scene. It was really no. rough in some places. I mean, I think the thing is, they also didn't make it enough for us to care that much about Ada to begin with. Yeah. You're only supposed to feel a certain degree because this is a child there was no explanation of how much does she understand how much does she not understand Do we ever see did her? she speak near the she end she never speak. speaks but she, she acknowledges she what they're saying and acknowledges, yeah. but there's never a moment of maybe her attempting to talk there was a sad moment in where she sees something runs into the house stares at her reflection and realizes she's different yes and, and then later when it, we see what she saw, we realize why that reflection was such an important moment in the story. Yes. It was her making a connection with something. Making a connection. Um, not trying to make an attempt to communicate with the with the parents, but we never really see her communicate her needs or wants before. So this is not... She's so passive. Yes. And it's... If she's, you know, a toddler, essentially, is what she is, it made me go like, so what... Like, I don't understand what her goal or, like, what is her drive? Is she just a child? Because if she's just a child, then I expect her to, like, show a want towards food or affection or play. Yes. But she just kind of is present in scenes and, and doesn't really do anything. Yeah. The only time that we maybe have some indication that she has these feelings were when her father, uh, her adopted father, calls her over to be like, hey, lay your head on, on my chest as I fall asleep and she does so. And then later on something happens in the movie, which I look, we're trying really hard not to spoil this movie that she repeats that action showing that she has become attached to, um, her father, these parental figures, but it's also, it was just lackluster. Yeah. It felt like it had all the elements of something that I would have really liked, but then it painted in such broad strokes and the characters were kept at such a distance from us yeah. that at the end, I didn't really understand it what the movie was trying like, to communicate. What was that film that like we saw that had the girl from Broad City in it? Or she was... Um, I cannot remember, but it was an A24 movie. Yes. Yes, I remember. It and it felt was, like yeah, yeah. The, these both films were trying to talk about something. One went to the extreme and the other went to like the bare minimum. <laughs> um, yes, I remember that because it was Ilana Glazer. Yes. Right? And yeah, we, we watched that this spring. And false po- false positive, positive Pierce Brosnan. Was- and I think, yeah, both of them are. And I, I'm someone who... You know, as much as I despise Roman Polanski, I'll still say that Rosemary's Baby is, like, a fantastic horror yeah, movie. but it was also based on a book. But, and, like, it does a great job of communicating that metaphor as, you know, pregnancy as this terrifying experience for a woman. Yeah. Of all these unknowns and... Well, al- like, even Alien does a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so then when you look at a movie like False Positive or Lamb, 
which are explicitly about themes of motherhood. Like that yes. is – the film is screaming that this is a movie about this. And I walk away from Liam and I go, well, what did it tell me about motherhood? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Because the the final events of the movie, she does like technically abandon her family, but it's a fake abandonment and she heads right back to them. Yeah. So it's not sort of like, oh, and this was her punishment for leaving. Because she wasn't ever really going to leave. It was all a, a, a ruse. And... So her intention was always to come like back to her family. something bad would have happened anyways had she been there or not no. been there. And then there's this force that is introduced, you is hinted at at the beginning of the movie and fully seen at the end of the movie. So here's the thing that like is kind of insane that um, we had no indication of in the movie. So the movie was written with the director and in um, Icelandic writer as well. Oh, poet, yes. yeah. So it's like two guys... Which I'm not saying that's yeah. a bad thing, but because, like, Liana Glazer wrote, co-wrote her... Yeah, that, false positive. Uh, it was positive still not good. It was still not good. But she's also never been pregnant. She? No, she's pregnant uh, now. Now, okay. I think she gave birth. It's not... I think it more has to do with the fact that with um, with that movie, it felt, like, very turfy at some points. Um, well, it just felt very, like, hipster, New York kind of vibe. And also, she just positive. was not good as an yeah, actress yeah. at all in that film. Um, with this film... So I was reading the Wikipedia and the sheep mom has a name. And then when Maria has that dream where she like sees like this like sheep there and it seems like really upset. And at first you're almost thinking like does the sheep have like a slit thing in his throat but it's really just the fur and the breathing. And (laughs) I read that is the sheep's brother. That is, like, saying that, like, indicating that something bad's going to happen. But it's never explicit. Yes, in the so yeah. it's yeah. all I've, these yeah. visual, like, it was reading the Wikipedia that I knew about this. And I kind of knew what was going to happen in the film, which, spoilers to me are not a problem. Spoilers, I'm okay, because sometimes I want to see, if someone's like, oh, so-and-so, this happens, I want to see how it happens. Yeah, because spoilers are often, like, a fragment. Yes. And if you see the whole, even if you're something spoiled... The whole should work. Yeah. yeah. And so there's never a moment that they're afraid of someone taking away their child. They're kind of so secure at the fact that they're so isolated from everyone else. There's never a concern about how this is going to work because... There's no conflict. There's no conflict Until, like, Peter shows up and then, like, that conflict just dissolves pretty dissolves quickly. Dissolves pretty quickly. Or is kept minor. And it's also, there's never a question of, like... So we see Ada, like, they're basically participating in her birth. And when Peter shows up, she's essentially a toddler going into, like, four or five years old. And, you know, fully walking. And you're kind of confused as to what the time lapse is. I I think it's still within the first year of her life. So the thing is, like, you would think that even if there's not going to be an outside element of someone coming into the house, like, say, maybe someone's like, I want to see your production of Sheep and them hiding her. Mm -hmm. Um... Or, like, oh, I I want her to have friends, but how do we do that? Or they have Ada, like, do not let her near the other sheep for whatever reason. There is never any of this, and there is never a talk of them being, oh, she's growing up so fast, what will that mean? Because sheep live X amount of lives, that means... Will she, yeah, die sooner? Will she die, da-da-da, or calling a 
a doctor and maybe, I don't know, killing that doctor because the doctor's like, I'm going to... Yeah, because like maybe she gets sick at some point and they don't know how to deal with that. They don't know, do they use human medicine? Do they use, yeah, you know... Yeah, there's nothing uh, of that. Yeah. It's just like, they're like, oh, we're happy, so we need to keep doing this. Well, yeah, it's just, yeah, it felt like there was a brief conflict with Peter when he sees what's going on and he's disturbed by it and then that's diffused. And then they like kind of force introduce the whole his attraction to Maria thing as to create another conflict and that kind of diffuses. And it diffuses and then, because like Maria is obviously not interested and the brother is not disturbed at all. Like the brother... You just are like, oh well. Yeah, like <laughs> Peter like sleeps in the barn like because the night before and he witnesses some stuff but he sleeps in the barn so there's never a moment of the there wasn't even surprise to that he was him. there yeah it was like oh he does this all the time well then whatever. the the ending to me because there's this it's basically like a deus ex machina ending where you know this thing comes out of nowhere and concludes the story and so i i think about that as sort of was the message of the film about this sort of the cold neutrality of like nature and how you can think that you've had your life planned and you think things are going your way. And then out of nowhere, this element can just disrupt and destroy everything. And that, cause it, it didn't feel like it, there was a sense that they were, you know, going against the will of like natural order yeah. for sure. But the thing that shows up at the end is responsible for starting all of this so I don't understand, like, that interrelation of if you're destroyed by the entity that started all of this and the implication is that, oh, you are you have transgressed by <laughs> taking this child, this lamb. Okay, well, you're the one who created it and then wandered off anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, just, yeah I didn't like understand, like, what it was trying to do. Of, like, you know, there was never a, like, oh, there's a folk tour that, like, folk tale, like, folklore that, like, this will happen. And, you know, uh, once the child is of a certain age, like, the parent will come in and grab it. Or, you know, this is the type of luck that will happen or you cursed your family if you do this there was just like oh okay and there's never a moment of them going like hey should we keep this should is this normal like is there the rules of the world were not defined very well yeah and i'm okay with art films that like to be experimental but it even experimental films establish some sort of like this is the context in which this story exists and we don't know if like there's some weird like Icelandic thing that has It could to be cultural, yeah, it, for sure. But it it for an international audience it just left you like askew. It's just kinda yeah. like, yeah, go go fuck yourself yeah, and But uh, shot gorgeously. It's a beautiful looking movie it's, though. It's a great looking movie. It's uh but that's that's just it, it that's what yeah, it is. It's a lot it's of a pretty images but no substance. With um actors that like Or at least too cryptic. Yeah. To really be like I have even though I'm like, oh I bet if I went back to it maybe I could find more things. I was like, eh, my enjoyment during the watching of the film was so low that I have no interest in revisiting it. Yeah. And there's other there's a lot of films where like that hasn't been the case where I've been like, Oh, I don't understand that, but there was some like pull. 
that that intrigued me. Like there are films that I could be like, you know, we talk about like the Green Knight and how I didn't have the same feelings as you mm-hmm. did, but I could maybe go like, maybe I need to go sit back and watch this film. I have no urge to sit through Lamb again. So that was our review of Lamb. Check out the show notes to see how you can share your comments, maybe your uh, excitement over the movie or mutual disappointment. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye, a new biopic uh, directed by Michael Showalter and written by Abe Sylvia. This is a biographical drama centered around the life of Tammy Faye, formerly Baker, uh, who was the wife of televangelist Jim Baker and was a televangelist herself. Uh, She's played in the film by Jessica Chastain and is joined by Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker, uh, film actress and Broadway veteran Sherry Jones as Tammy's mother, uh, and then you have Vincent D'Onofrio showing up as the infamous, uh, what's-his-face, the uh, Liberty University gentleman. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Jerry, Jerry Falwell. Jerry Falwell. Uh, you also see uh, Pat Robertson is in there, too, uh, and it's a decent um, overview of Tammy Faye, mostly her role in the PTL network and how she and her husband rose to fame and then everything kind of fell apart. So kind of a standard biopic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the movie? I oddly liked it, although there were many things that were at fault for this. So what... Um, I know I came into it with moderate expectations. I feel mm-hmm. I'm that way with like most biopics at this point. Yes. Uh, and I think it slightly surpassed those expectations. The mm-hmm. fact that it kept my attention, I enjoyed it. Do you feel the same? Yeah, and we do have to give props to Jessica Chastain because mm-hmm. she fucking did the most. She Best part of the movie. also produced the film and she had required the rights, I think, in 2006. 17 or yeah, she'd been wanting to make this movie for a while. Um, well, it was back in um, 2012, so this yes. has been nine years for her. Um, and Andrew, uh, like Andrew Garfield, at first I was like, why did they cast him as this guy? But he has the it same works. eyes and it eyebrows works. and like kind of like the way that... Um, I think he's too tall. I think if we're trying to match physically, for some reason I always think of Jim Baker as short. It's probably from television. Yeah. <laughs> but I... Yeah, I felt like Andrew Garfield was maybe a little too tall for Jim Baker. But he did a great job. And Chastain, as you said, was, I think, the highlight of the film. Yes. And this is obviously, like, Oscar bait. Like, um, oh, yeah. Michael Sh- uh, Schulter had already, one of his films already won uh, an Oscar before. Oh, yes. What was the that The Big film? Sick. The Big Sick, yeah. Um, I didn't, which I didn't really. I actually really liked I thought it was film, fine. But that's because I really like. Um, romantic comedies. You, on yeah. the other hand, will, and I'm, will, will spit. I'm not out. a great fan of Kumail Nanjiani in lead roles. I think he's better in supporting. Yeah. Sort of thing. But uh, as someone, because I grew up sort of vaguely aware, like I knew who Jimmy Swaggart was, I knew who Pat Robertson was, and I remember being very, very peripherally aware of the Baker scandal when it went down. I was very young. 
But it was something that, like, yeah, I remember kind of happening and knowing yes. about. The, yeah, there is a big uh, memory in my head because it just was in the news so much and it was also, like, seeping into pop me uh, like pop culture in a way that I didn't understand as a child. Well, it became such a big joke. Yes, yeah. and I remember we did watch the documentary that was based on and named after... The Eyes of Tammy Faye, yeah. Which, she does talk about it, so... Um, Part of the messiness for me is in the opening one, they're removing her makeup and she's explaining on how certain parts of her face have makeup has been tattooed on her face. But we never get an explanation as to where she is and why are they asking her to try to soften her, her look. And then yeah. she's... So we don't get an explanation of that. So there's like... Then we zoom towards the past. We go, like It's the thing that I hate that they do with these movies is they go all the way back to their childhood. Yes. But this was the one instance that I was kind of okay that they went to the childhood because it kind of... So Tammy Faye is portrayed as being either very naive or just finding a way to manipulate people around her but then also being like well the manipulation is done through love she is this bubbly personality she is one of those people that like i think it, i've met those people before in the past where you're like you can't really dislike them because perhaps like the love that they show for people is genuine but their actions can be rather selfish and my way of viewing this film was she learned from an early age that she needed to act. She needed to be entertain people in order for them to take her in. Because, well, yeah, we see her as a child. She was uh, born to uh, Rachel LaValley, played by Cherry Jones. And it's stated that Tammy was sort of the result of an affair or a tryst. Well, and like then her she... father is her father, but it was as that she they had her out of wedlock. And it wasn't until um, her mother was forgiven. And she's the only person that can play the piano. Yeah, her mother. Uh, and so Tammy is left at home while they go to church. Yes. And Tammy is very curious because, of course, you know, when you tell a child you can't do this, that's what they want to do. And she's able to wedge herself in there by pretending that she's speaking in tongues. And, like, we never get a thing of her saying that she pretended or if it was real. Yeah. But to me, that was an act of... It was of her first performance. It was her first performance and her getting that acceptance and for her to say, see, I got the love of a Christ through yeah. th these actions. And I never read her as being, like, um, a, like, duplicitous in a bad way. I just get the sense that she, in the film, is portrayed as someone that can read people very well. And she's very selective about what she chooses to focus on and what not to. Yes. Because as certain negative things crop up, she just kind of looks away mm -hmm. out of a sense of, well, you know, I'm just going to focus on a positive thing and I'm not going to worry about that negative thing that I've become aware of. It's also a sense of survival. She yeah. understands the consequences of, of it to a heightened degree that she would rather turn her back on it than confront it. And so... I think it was a very interesting film to watch considering the fact that we are now within the Netherlands, which is kind of not completely like an atheist. Majority um, atheist, major But sure. it is a majority that either doesn't practice religion or doesn't well, mention religion. Evangelical, the evangelical like strain of Christianity, I'm going to yes. assume, 
doesn't have much representation in Europe in general. Yes. (laughs) It's here, but it's not as loud as it is in the States. And so it was also the fact that, like, I'm sure um, they weren't talking about it and didn't mean to, but it was also how capitalism and conservatism has swept in and that, like, within it seemed like the influence of Tammy Faye and they're almost doing, like, a comparison of, like, look at Jim Baker now, then look at him before like the before of after is being the fact that she didn't want to talk about politics and well it wasn't that she necessarily wanted to talk about politics she didn't want to like remove anybody else from being saved she wanted to talk about people yes and so that's why you know there's the infamous thing of she invited on an aids patient via satellite Mm -hmm. and showed no like judgment towards him and just was very like accepting of him and wanted to hear what he had to say and how that went against the uh, moral majority conservative christian movement of the 80s at the yeah, time compared to the other people who had um channels during that time she wanted to talk about the bedroom she uh, with things that happened like she wanted to talk about sex she wanted to talk about um the gay community during that time that was suffering through AIDS, which people basically called the gay cancer. Well, the segment that we see about sex was interesting because it's not just sex, it's disability as well. Because mm-hmm. it's about men who have been injured or some in some way, and that there's like a device that will like help them have an erection. Yes. And she just doesn't ever act as though this is scandalous or obscene. It's just like, what a miracle that such a thing exists. Isn't yes, that wonderful? and it's also like this interesting thing where she would do cooking during the show and her mother mm. at the time is who's very apprehensive as to why she was doing it. She was kind of like, well, you know, we can praise Jesus all we want, but we still need to have a connection to people. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, I we can't state this is true. This is a, basically the portrayal that we have between the movie and watching mm-hmm. the documentary is that she just seemed as this, as of this type of person that just wanted to bring the Lord into people's lives while, while also having been wrapped up into this belief of, like, greed, with or without yeah. mentioning it. Yeah, because like, uh, there's... I think she, she found genuine joy in entertaining people i think at heart she was more of she for her being with christ was entertaining people yes and giving them joy at the same time she's definitely lured in by all the material wealth that this provides her and that jim provides her by uh allowing her to go in shopping sprees and it's it's implied that he's like investing in things that maybe might not be above board necessarily and getting involved in situations that is risking a lot for them, but bringing them a lot at the moment. Yes. And so um, it does show that, like, this organized Christianity between those that have the satellite and the channels is a boys' club and that she should not be participating within it. Um, This kind of, like, embarrassment that Jim has towards her where he loves her, but she's also a, a woman that found a heightened degree of like success and therefore adorns herself sort of like a la Dolly Parton without mm-hmm. that kind of like thing where it makes people kind of respect her. So she 
so when the controversy happened, and this is something that I was reading that people got upset about, is she became the face of it while nobody wanted to talk about the fact that her husband um, had allegedly raped uh, someone who worked with him and had paid her hush money. Because at the time, uh, because it was Jessica Hahn, right? She was being portrayed as like a whore and a harlot and a homewrecker in media. And he was considered like, oh, he's a dirty preacher or whatever. But she was like, oh, was like, well, Jessica Hahn was also, you know, a whore. And that's where in a modern context, as you go back and you look at what Jessica Hahn said, you realize like, oh, no, no, she was raped. Yes. And it was so fucked up and sick that like she was vilified just as much as him. Yeah, like she took the money and that's what made her into that person because apparently you she shouldn't have taken the money when she was probably traumatized and confused. Well, she probably also is struggling to make ends meet and hey, if yeah. I can get a bunch of And this is my boss. Yeah. And so um and then Tammy Faye became the ridicule because she's crying and there's her, running, her mascara, yeah. the bright lipstick the crying on television while she's the one basically crying for the sins of her husband when it's she was mocked for how she looked but then you talked about that opening scene with tattooed lines for her uh eyeshadow and her um lipstick so it's this interesting thing of tammy faye is this kind of person it's part of her survival is you find something to mock her about, she's going to embrace it, own it, and make it a symbol of who she is. Yes. And so you're never going to be able to destroy her because she is going to turn the tables back on you. Like, she basically, like, used it as armor. And so as I was reading, like, for a short interview, what they did with Tammy Sue, which was her daughter, um... She was talking about how she's already seen the film, but she would have to see the film a second time to let people know how she feels about it because she's been very hesitant to ever view in a positive or negative light to anything that is portrayed, especially about her mother. Um, Because it definitely seems like the two children they had ended up with Tammy. Ended up way more on Tammy's side and with her. Her ideology. And... The daughter does still work with the dad, but when asked about her relationship, she just said, we work together. So it might be, we don't know again, but it might be like he was in prison for X amount of years and feels that he has a debt to her. During the time before he got arrested, she had a Christian album that was on the, like was top. Because it seemed like they were trying to turn her into a little singer in the movie. Like there's a a one scene where it's implied. And that like she was talking about how her mother had a different type of voice but didn't sing in that voice because their father was like didn't want her to sing in that voice and that like she felt more of the love from anybody else from her mother and that her and they don't touch upon the kids like they don't talk about how the son had drug addiction problems when the dad went to prison because he was ostracized from mm-hmm. the community that he knew. They heavily focused on Tammy, <coughs> which is fine. Which I was going to say, that's my, where some of my problems come with the film, and it's a general problem with all biopics, mm-hmm. is you cannot comprehensively tell the entire life of a person. So it, what happens is suddenly this like editing process yes. occurs where you're cutting things out, you're blending events together so that they happen simultaneously for, like, a thematic purpose. Um, And I felt like the Jerry Falwell character was so uneven in the movie because there 
they try to make him into kind of the film's antagonist, but he's not in the movie enough to serve that purpose and that role. Yeah. And he's sort of introduced early on, then he pops up again, then he disappears, and then he shows up at the end, and it's more like the villain who takes PTL away from them and all of that. Yeah, there's never like a moment of striking anger when they part ways. And then also, for someone who had no idea who Jerry Falwell was, they're not going to have a good understanding of who he is in this movie, just from the movie alone. Like, you almost have to have a cultural... like. Me, having grown up with, you know, crazy conservative religious parents, I'm very aware of who Jerry Falwell is, what he stands for, who the man is. But if you watch this movie and you came from, like, a completely secular background and maybe are, you know, were born after I was and didn't really get a sense of who Jerry Falwell was when he was alive, you're going to just go, I guess he's kind of a bad guy, but I'm not really sure. Like, yeah. who is he? What does he stand for? Is, is he a politician? Mm-hmm. Is he an inter- is he in media? Like, the film doesn't make that clear. I almost wish there had been more of a juxtaposition between, like, what was happening on PTL and what was Jerry Falwell doing at the same time? Because he just kind of shows up, but we don't really know, well, what is he up to yeah. outside of There's that? There's only, like, this indication that, hey, we need to support the presidents and we need to talk about who we're voting so for. So it's like, is he a presidential advisor? And so it's also, like, this weird thing that, like, you kind of have this feeling that Tammy doesn't want to talk about politics. But then again, it you're not really sure because then Reagan apparently does talk mention uh, PTL. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of like, were they ever saying on broadcast like hey don't mention us or well i think it was more they had become such a part of the zeitgeist at the time uh, particularly among people that supported reagan because he won because of evangelical christians yeah uh that he had to acknowledge it it was basically lip service to show like oh i'm one of you and i I know about ptl with a weird way this film is also indicating to a lot of people who are now realizing who jim baker is because he's still out there doing his thing he's doing it again now it's all this survival food it's you know that this has been a long con for a very long time and that like he's okay with destroying people around him no matter what and he seems in real life he has learned nothing as opposed to the character the movie's implied to have learned something yes but ultimately no and so it doesn't feel as if like and i think they were very gentle on him in this film. Oh, yeah. I felt like they should have been much harsher. And I feel like get rid of the Jerry Falwell stuff. Make mention of it when he takes over PTL. But make it a purely about the two of them. And for the most part, it is. But yes. there are these moments that interrupt that that don't serve the central conflict between Jim and Tammy. And the weird thing is, like, them both as a couple is so... So interesting to me. I wanted more of those it's scenes. Yeah, so interesting to me because there is a moment that she is not doing well after she's given birth. She's kind of depressed because she overheard um, her husband having mocked her. She's taking pills. She's going through all this stuff. He made her apologize for something, but made it so vague to the public eye that while she's apologizing and crying for a thing that she we're not really sure if she did or did not do within the film oh she did it that's the thing yeah did she go all the way yes oh uh, so. okay yeah. i mean because well, remember the my water just broke scene yeah but i mean she's in the midst of yeah okay yeah. um but it's like 
he makes her apologize when he's committed worse or even beyond before or after. He makes it seem like it's, it's always after she yeah. she ruined everything. But it's probably yeah, there's a sense that once PTL goes big, her understanding of what Jim is doing in his life becomes much less. And, yeah. and he just becomes an enigma to and her. And so while well, he's trying to commit this person to make I don't know if it was a theme park. They were yes, a theme yeah, park, they were. But trying to trying do the to, building, yeah. like she comes in, kind of looking like of a of a mess, but she manages to convince this person to go on with the building of it because she's that charismatic. And when the guy leaves, being like, "I think I'm going to do it," after Jim was losing him, she looks at Jim and goes, "You're welcome." So yeah, she it was one of those where at the time she was played up as like a ditz and an idiot. But for her to get to that level of success and become such an icon, she's playing her own game and is very savvy in her own right. Like, it's also showing that, like, she knows about her own charisma. She and she knows, knows what people say about her, too. Yeah, and she knows what she has to say in order to get someone on her side. Even if she has to play the dits, she's going to play it in a way that makes you become disarmed. It's so, advantageous to yes. her. Like, there's a scene where... They're uh, at Pat Robertson's house for a barbecue, mm -hmm. and all the men are sitting at a table separate, and she just comes over with the baby and a plate of food and acts like her hands are full and sets down the plate and gets a seat right there. Mm -hmm. And you can tell they don't want her there, but she, in her mind, realizes, you know, Jim and I are a duo. He is not doing this on his own. I yes. am 50% of what he does and how mm -hmm. he's done it, and I'm going to make sure I have a seat there, too. And yeah, it's sort of like, and here's the thing. I know this is probably like a huge Oscar bait. Oh, like yeah. Like, this is going to be flying under the Oscar bait's nose, but god damn it, did Jessica Chastain not fucking eat that shit up? She was so good. She I mean, was so I realized good. I f w did not think of Jessica Chastain while I watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's Tammy like, Faye Baker. First, she like, is so good. When you see her and she has the makeup, I'm thinking to myself, this is going to distract me because she sort of has like this jaw implant in order these to chubby cheeks and things like yeah. trying to convey her to look better like like look the same as her but she nails it down right to the little laugh and she doesn't it doesn't feel like a parody no it definitely feels like she has studied her and is a genuine like recreation of her personality there is a respect and yeah. understanding and it's one of those that when you hear actors or even impersonators say like you have to have a certain empathy with this person because if not you're going to hate portraying them mm -hmm. and so she she completely did it um and it's almost like you feel i felt almost bad for her <laughs> Garfield, to be like he, yeah, he was like nowhere near as good as she was against her. He was good, but, but she was Jessica, so much better. Jessica Chastain is good, and it also like watching her reminded me on how we really don't have a large group of female actors that were like, oh man, that's. I mean, Meryl Streep is always mentioned yeah. about, but being it's like amazing actresses who get lost in a character, and well, so you forget it's them that we still see even past the age of forty that are doing yeah. amazing, and she's past forty, and she. Mm -hmm fucking did it and it was i also read that like people were saying oh my god she ruined her skin for this film because of the makeup and she had to come out and say like don't believe anything that anybody said we had the best makeup mm -hmm. artist she's like i'm one of the producers of the film why would i make yeah why would i <laughs> ruin my money maker <laughs> yeah. which is my face well so that's what we thought about the eyes of tammy faye make sure to check out the show notes and share with us what were your feelings? Um, did you also find yourself as impressed with Jessica Chastain's performance? Were there 
certain moments or things that you wanted to point out that maybe we missed, uh, let us know. That was our first episode of November 2021. I'd say you should expect at least maybe one more episode this month. We're just going to kind of see what shows, movies, books are kind of getting our attention. If there's more of a response. Yeah, if we get more of a response, then hey, we'll definitely try to do it weekly. But for right now, I'm looking at the the outlook for November and what we will be able to actually get access to. And I think there's a couple things in there that look interesting. Um, we just hope that you enjoyed this episode and our reviews. Uh, make sure to check out the show notes for links on how to share your comments. Uh, make sure you subscribe to be notified when new episodes do pop up. And in the meantime, make sure you're visiting popcult.blog for more reviews. Uh, November is going to be a big month for watching a lot of movies I've seen acclaim for this year because we're getting you know to the end of the year so we're trying to really build up those favorites of the year list uh, make sure you, if you are able to and can afford to uh, support us on patreon links for that are in the show notes there are lots of different uh, reward tiers and we have some goals we're working towards and with that i also want to thank our patrons amy and matt uh, that is it for this show and hopefully you'll get to hear us on the next one very soon Thank you.